I'm Justin. I'm a Skullcom librarian. My pronouns are he and him. I'm Sadie. I work IT at a public library, and my pronouns are they, them. And I'm Jay. I'm a music library director, and my pronouns are he, him. That is one gay-ass skeleton. Hey, girl! Hey. I swear to God, it sounds like me. No guest, but we do have a gay-ass skeleton, which is appropriate, because that could be a term in the Homosaurus. Gay-ass skeleton. It could be. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk about the Homosaurus. But first, news. Florida has spread to Canada. So public libraries face accusations of promoting pornography. The word pornography. So again, we've Pick already been the here. Children. We've already been here. They are conflating nudity and sex education with pornography. But this is this caught my eye because the books that are being called pornography, pornography. Remember the definition of pornography: something that is explicitly to arouse prurient interests. That's its main purpose: is to get you off. Are these three children's books? called called what makes a baby sex is a funny word and it's perfectly normal changing bodies growing up sex and sexual health and they all have bright colorful children's titles on the front i have shelved each one of these books at least once i remember so parents in southern manitoba a are uh going to have them banned on account of pornographic content they uh, are annoyed that south central regional library scrl has declined to remove them that fall into the category of sexual and gender education so okay not pornography that's sexual and gender education, a thing they probably learn in Canada schools, and they say it's not censorship, but rather have the books removed on the basis that they represent pornography. Okay, so we're back to pornography. You know, one of these books is over 25 years old, doesn't seem to have caused any moral uh, collapse. I think that depends on who you're talking to, because if it's it's perfectly normal, I'm pretty certain that one's been on and off the uh, topped attempted bans book for its entire publishing career. That's true, but it hasn't, you know, caused any changes. Unless it did, and I didn't notice. Anyways, one per this, this article kind of annoyed me because uh, one person was like, "Hey, we got to, you know, get rid of them because children, you know, might come across them, and that that won't be good. Uh, so we got to get them out of the library." And then uh, the voice of reason, moderation, um, said uh, instead of defunding the library uh, for for creating a, a unsafe space for children. Um, they could require the local library board to implement policy changes so that books containing sexual content need to be signed out by an adult, and then encouragement to do so would come from the council. And so the mayor was like, oh, yeah, that's reasonable, which is, you know, these books are for babies. Like, why would you put them in the adult section? So then there's just some back and forth of uh, parents who are like, this is fine, and other people who are like, we got to get them out, but in a, in a sort of subdued uh, Canadian way. Oot. Yeah, she says uh, their placement in the library is uh, crucial so that children who aren't ready won't be unnecessarily exposed. Uh, These books teach one perspective, and it is not one that is accepted by all. I personally want to be able to have open conversations with my kids about sex and relationships, and I don't want them to read a book like this without being aware first. Okay, then fucking talk to your kid, man. Talk talk to your stupid kid. (laughs) Get get it over with. I don't know what you're waiting for. You can do that now. I I love how much of these sorts of arguments are just like people clearly not wanting to interact with their own fucking kids. Like, and not even just about sex, but about anything. Yeah, truly. Like, <laughs> like they just don't want to talk to their children. They don't think they're people. Mm-hmm. They want these books to be in the adult section of the library, where an actively curious preteen would still be able to find them, but would remove the chance of a child who is not ready to be exposed to them. And I'm like, okay, so you're okay with actively curious preteens being in the adult book section where they are actually more likely to come across something that might where be there's like erotica <laughs> closer to yeah. porn. Then have a younger child come across something in sex education wise. Like the, the logic just isn't there for me. Like it's, it's bodies. There's nothing wrong with people learning about bodies. I just like, don't, I don't get it. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's one uh, parent here who I agree with. They've got three kids under four years old. It's extremely important for children to learn all parts of the body and know how it functions 
these sensitive topics need to be shared with our children so they're aware. It's better they have literature they can understand with the parent-provided information rather than finding out this information through different channels. Alternative channels do not educate on the relationships and do not provide information on consent and healthy body habits and relationships. Yeah, because these are books for babies. They're books for babies. I swear to God, most of these people, like, they don't want children. They don't want to, like, raise people in this world. They just, like, think they're supposed to. Or it's like a vanity thing or a status thing or like a, a religion thing just to prop to make sure your 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 seed <laughs> continues in this world. Honestly, I think a lot of these people think this way, not because they like just feel obligated to have children, but because they they actively need to control something else because they can't actually control their own lives. Like I saw a tweet the other day that was like, I'm just going to start my own mini country where I can be a tyrant. And then somebody had retweeted it with just uh, men starting families like, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty much it. They, they don't. It's not just men. It's not just men. And it's not just men. No, that's that. That was what the tweet said. But there are a lot of women who do this too. Like a lot of people. The only people in my life who have abused me have been like women caretakers who have been like the narcissistic awful ones in my life. <laughs> yeah so like, like it's they a don't, thing <laughs> they don't want kids because they want the experience of uh the wonder of raising a child and seeing who they become they want children so they have a small army that they can command and when they can't actually control them they lose their fucking minds and take it out on the rest of us yeah Another thing that stood out to me about this article, uh, something Sean pointed out, is uh, no children were quoted in this entire article, even though they seem to be just like right off screen. Um, because it's like parent has uh, kids who are 11 and 14, has three kids who's under four, has 10 kids under 50. And, you know, not, not one of them got uh, got quoted. So let them let them speak. <laughs> Like that yeah, what, yeah, what do they think? From Portlandia, let them speak. So that was news. Your turn, Canada. Right in your country. I'm pro- They're probably doing some bullshit. We'll do them next. I see we've done Ireland. We've done Ireland. Uh, we're going to have to do every, all 50 states. Um, yeah. We've done Canada. I don't think uh, we've, I mean, we've had whole episodes about the UK's fucked library systems, but... Uh, but not, not about this book banning, issue. Yeah. not this specific issue, but it's got to be happening. I'm, I'm sure it is. And and, all, and the turfs getting mad about the little non-binary alien at the library. Oh, they must be. Yeah, that that the little non-binary alien that uh, the one turf got mad at that was at for a library, I think. Yeah, we'll get to you, Britain. Yeah, turf Can island. You just wait, <laughs> that's a threat. <laughs> Your king won't save you now so funny they got a king again the king of england could come right to your door and start pushing you around he's gonna die in like two days anyway gonna pop him like a tick it's funny they're doing all this and like everyone's thinking like we're gonna have to do this again in like eight years although who knows maybe he's got like like 20 in him so we're gonna talk about the homosaurus we're gonna talk about identity metadata and constructing identities we're going to talk a little bit about language i think linguistics is going to come up tangentially simply because uh when you define a thing you start to define the limits of what that thing is this is why half of my master's thesis was just me talking about like linguistic theory (laughs) yeah so jay can you take it away for a little bit so i can step away but just let us know about uh the history of homosaurus and how you got there yeah, so um, the Homosaurus, which all of this info is up on the Homosaurus's website. Um, but if you don't know for some reason, the Homosaurus is an international LGBTQ linked data thesaurus. That's where the name comes from. It's a it's a Homo thesaurus. It's a Homosaurus. Get it? We're very clever. But it actually has its origins in um, Amsterdam, in that it started as the like in-house thesaurus for what's called Ilya and I can <laughs> I'm awful I can never remember what the hell Ilya stands for because like a typical librarian I know all the acronyms without remembering what they mean uh, the Ilya LGBT heritage is the international gay lesbian information center and archive it started as it's the Soros in like the 90s and I actually got to look at the physical copy of it, like through interlibrary loan when I was writing my master's thesis. That's fucking awesome. 
Yeah, it was cool. But yeah, like I know like the International like Museum of Sex and then also the like, you know, Iliad are both in the Netherlands, like in Amsterdam. So they got cool museums and libraries and shit over there. But it started out there um, with Jack uh, uh, Vanderwell. And Jack is still on the editorial board today. Jack's very fun. And then and it was like it was the vocabulary for this institution but it meant that it like it was kind of also kind of like a like a more comprehensive vocabulary and then it had like the queer terms but also had stuff just to describe things in the collection right um and then we move forward and we work with Ellen Greenblatt, who is another big name in like queer and feminist metadata, specifically like subject vocabulary. And they both make um, the vocabulary like more inclusive in the like, you know, expanding not just lesbian and gay anymore, but like bisexual and trans and all of this stuff, while also putting um, more traditional like genealogical style hierarchy in the thesaurus so that it's much more more structured like the Library of Congress subject heading. So you'll have like a term and then narrower terms and those narrower terms are related terms, you know, where you get you get your family tree shape going. And it was still just like for that institution and physical. And then we moved to like the late 2000s and like the 20 teens and stuff. And KJ Rawson and like the Digital Transgender Archive get involved and let's move this online let's make this a linked data vocabulary and also let's make it more not a comprehensive vocabulary but more of a complementary vocabulary so let's actually narrow the scope to just queer shit and not have everything else in existence so that it is meant to be used alongside other subject vocabularies this is why i'm one of those people that's anti having the library of congress subject headings as the end-all be-all not because i'm against a like mono like everyone having the same consistent standards i actually think everyone having the same consistent standards is good but the homo source because it's so specialized it can, you can like have your Library of Congress subject headings and then complement them with Homosaurus subject headings, even on the same term. Like you could have the Library of Congress version of that term and then the Homosaurus version of that term and like synonyms and stuff. You can, so you can get like way more specialized, basically. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So you would never use Homosaurus on its own, really. It's always meant to be used alongside other vocabularies. And it's like when I was in grad school, it wasn't online yet. And it was still living on like a Word document on like KJ Roberto's like laptop. Yikes. (laughs) All the trans guys are named KJ, by the way, because like KJ Rawson, who's like the main person of the editorial board, he's also a trans guy. I'm a trans guy. There's like multiple like trans masks on the board. There's multiple trans femmes on the board. I think like a good like 70% of the editorial board of the homeless horse is trans. Nice. <laughs> yeah, which is cool. Um, a, a lot of us are, are trans. Yeah. So, and then in like, right as I'm like leaving grad school is when it like starts getting like put online and stuff. And then I become friends with Brie Watson <laughs> and... I go, man, it'd be cool to be on the Homosaurus. And Brie was like, wait, why have we never asked you to be on the Homosaurus? Not to toot my own horn, listeners of this podcast, but maybe you're a library school student and you don't know who I am yet. And also these were published under my dead name. And so sometimes people go, wait, that was you? And I was like, yes, that was me. But I'm still the only person in this field, to my knowledge, who has published the kind of study that I have done on like actually interviewing people about the terms that they use to describe like queer topics and then like doing like comparisons of that to subject vocabularies and i published a very influential article about it in in the library of the lead pipe plus it's like what my master's thesis was and um basically i took my master's thesis and i made two articles out of it that and library school students do that take your master's thesis and then take your methods section and turn that into an article and then everything else and turn that into another article that's what my advisors told me to do (laughs) works every time you just gotta like rewrite it and shit you know don't plagiarize yourself like restructure some stuff but it works but that's what i did and like i got to like and this was before the homosaurus was online was when i published my master's thesis and like got to see the the word doc on k um no it's not kj roberto kr roberto's uh like laptop like i got to it got you know sent to me through box right and so brie was like hey wait a minute (laughs) 
why have we not asked you to be on the homosaurus? I was like, that's a very good question, Bree. Why haven't you? <laughs> and so I got um, asked. I got like grilled a little bit. Got interviewed, like to be like, you know, what you know, got vetted a bit. And then I, and it was like during the pandemic, like right at the beginning when I joined the board and I've been on ever since. And some recent developments in the Homosaurus is that we redid all of our, um, like our URL and our URI structures. It used to be like the term, but because we now go back and like change terms and stuff, we've made it um, alphanumerical so that we can change terms more easily without messing with like people if they use the URIs and stuff and like linking and, and whatnot. Um, so that's that's a fun new development within the past like year or two. That's that's the history. So you're not connecting terms to URIs be- so that you can change them quicker, or you does every term have a URI? Yes, it's just that the term URI used to be the term, and now it's like a string of numbers. So ah, if you want to change gotcha. the term, you can change the term without having to change the the URI. Right. Yeah. This is why they say never put semantic information in DOIs. Yep. Uh, because like if you put the journal's name in the DOI, what if the journal's name changes? Yep, yep. So, so that that's perfect. what we did is is we did like a complete overhaul of our like linked data structure. Okay, yeah, that makes total sense. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to finish up this article that I started and didn't finish uh, while you were doing the history. So being on the Homosaurus, though, I mean, you've been working on it the past few years. Like, I just wanted to do like some fun stuff, like what you've enjoyed about it. Have you fun? You know, have you found any funny things, funny words, funny variations, funny arguments or intense arguments? But I mean, like, I'm trying yeah. to get at the fun angle. Like, why, what have you enjoyed about doing this work? Well, the very first thing that I did and took like a year doing was um, I created like hundreds of terms related to like slash fiction. Um, And so now like yiffing (laughs) is in the homosaurus. Incredible. (laughs) You're in like Omegaverse. ADO. Mm-hmm. It's in there, baby. Well, and like, and my my argument for that was that like there is like a journal of for transformative works, and there are like fan fiction archives. Like Kirk slash Spock is a term in the Homosaurus now. And when I was worried, I was like, is this necessary? Brie was like, oh my god, no, please, we need to use that one because like seriously, there's like whole fields of study. Like I, I, if this had existed like two months ago when I was writing this one article, I would have used it. Right. So that was really fun. And um, yeah, I also really like anytime I've like shown it to colleagues or done demonstrations of it. And like, it's not as much of a problem now because we've added a lot of terms, but used to you'd like open it up and like right up near the top would be like anal fisting and ass fucking and and whatnot, because those are in the A's. (laughs) And so you go to like demonstrate it, you have to like scroll real quick. I haven't we'll had get to back deal with to that. Yeah. I haven't had to deal with it as much now, but like apparently before I joined and before the pandemic, like, you know, not everyone has their own office at work. Not everyone works from home. And so when I, I heard stories about like people on the board who maybe didn't have offices and were like just in like a cubicle or something, uh, and we were, and they would be discussing because like our board meetings are basically we just like discuss you know, different things, but then we go over like term approvals or we like, we workshop terms or, or, or whatnot. And it'd be like, have to like whisper or like refer to the line in the spreadsheet. Cause you couldn't say like nipple play or something. I've actually had issues where like, I've had internet filter, the internet filters at work, like block my ability to work on the homosaurus because I'll have to like look something up and it's like, sorry, you can't look up <laughs> whatever pervert shit you were about to look up because it's like, one of the things I love about the homosaurus is that, so the thing about library of Congress and one of the reasons it works so well is that like, okay, can I get into linguistic theory real quick? I want to hear it. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have to touch on it. Yeah. So, and this is like what most of my master's thesis is about anyway. So in linguistics, you have semiotics, right? You have, and you have like, something called like sign theory. So in like listener out loud, I want you to say the word apple. That utterance that you just made, apple is what's called a sign. And what a sign is, 
is it's a combination of a signifier, the sound apple, and the signified, which is the concept that it's referring to. And those two things together make the sign. And so in the Library of Congress subject headings, there can only be like one sign first. Like there can only be one signifier for a signified. You don't get synonyms in the Library of Congress subject headings. There's only one term that represents each concept, right? And it normally comes from the literary warrant that showed up first. So if something might exist and have terms in both like medical language, but also cultural or slang or identity language, Normally, like the medical would come first or something, right? But not so in the homosaurus. In the homosaurus, we let slang and like intra-community language live alongside medicalized or otherwise specialized language. So I find that really fun, actually. Um, And it shows that like our indexes are not as precious as we make them out to, to be. You know, like we can let, like, we can have tension in our indices and we can have like multiple words to represent concepts because even if they're representing similar concepts, it's still referring to a different thing because of just the context around it. Right. But yeah, so that w- was always fun. There's some other fun well, things. Well, on that, on that topic, before we run off yeah. to it, because I had this later in the notes, but um, preferred terms in classification, this comes up as like, if there are synonyms, there's a preferred term, right? So in mm-hmm. in like classification, you would say uh, the preferred term would be anal sex and not butt fucking, right? But the question mm-hmm. in this article that I'm reading about homosaurus is who's preferred, like whose preference yeah. is this? Because right. it assumes that there is like one that's better than the other. But if you're looking for butt fucking, like you don't need the synonym. You you just you need to know that the terms are connected. And and they are um they also like are used in different realms as well. And in that sense, almost do refer to different things because like anal sex, like as a sex act, you know, that refers to something, but like butt fucking like has a different cultural connotation than anal sex does. And so you would use it in different ways. Like you wouldn't, something that was like about anal sex, you wouldn't really use butt fucking for. And something that was about butt fucking, you wouldn't use anal sex for. You could, because they are kind of, kind of referring to the same thing, but like the, the, the cultural context around them and why you might use them is, is different. You know, like that's a, a thing we have a lot in the homosaurus. We'll have like the sort of like, medicalized or detached like name for a sex act and then we'll have the like horny pervert version of (laughs) of that act in there as well like we're actually working with the leather archives right now to um improve our kink vocabulary for example some other things are like we have really interesting blind spots and not necessarily like obviously there are blind spots due to the fact that the majority of the people on the board are white Um, Also, the majority are from North America, even though we're an international thesaurus, right? So there's obviously blind spots there. But like, I'm talking about like, I think it wasn't until right before I joined that marriage or like husbands or like wives or like some like basic concept like was not in the homosaurus because like, they just hadn't thought to put it in. Or like, I was the one who added homoeroticism into the vocabulary because it hadn't been in right. there. I have a question about that, though, because if the term, one of the things is if the term exists in another vocabulary, do you need to add it? So was it, was there a previous argument that marriage didn't need to be in the homosaurus because it's in Library of Congress? That's a really good question. That depends we do have a lot of overlap with Library of Congress, actually. Sometimes we use the same exact term as LOC. And often that's because if you go to id.loc.gov and find a term, it will show you if there are similar or exact matches in other linked data vocabularies. And the Homosaurus is one of those. And so in this way, we're building that like linked data Right. You know, glorious linked data universe, right? Um, where you can, like, are telling the computers, these all mean the same thing. And so you could, like, use one from one vocabulary and it, like, linked to the other one. And sometimes, the honestly, the term that LOC uses is fine. Like, they're, they're not the worst. They're not the worst. And they're getting a lot better. Sometimes we will have a word that LOC does because it fits in 
with another term that maybe we're trying to build out. So like when we add terms, we don't just add that term. We also think about would it have necessarily any broader terms? Would it have any related terms? Would it have any narrower terms? We don't have, we don't always stick to a strict family tree structure anymore. Like things can be related terms without having the same um, narrower term. Um, which was a freedom to me, to be honest. I was like, well, these things are related, but they don't share the same narrower term. And they're like, well, they don't need to. And I was like, whoa. They're not They're not monophyletic. They don't only come through like one family tree. Right. This term gave birth to this term, gave birth to this term. It's like, nah, this language doesn't reproduce biologically. Language reproduces differently. So it can be polyphyletic. Which just right. means multiple trees. That's that's a yeah. fancy word. It means multiple branches. Right. We're getting arborescent <laughs> to Liz alarm. So th- that's one reason. It's like if we're like building out a term and like we need maybe another term to connect to that one and it just happens to be a Library of Congress one. Um, or it's like if people maybe don't want to use Library of Congress and they want to use ours. And maybe they're using another vocabulary that's not Library of Congress and are using R. So maybe they're using like AAT and Homosaurus, right? There's that. There's all kinds of things. Right. Other fields are kind of building their own things off of like Getty. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's another reason why. So it actually does help that we have a lot of overlap with LOC, to be honest, that helps because that helps that link data uh, connection because that also connects us to Wikidata and also to um, like, not the IAF, but like the OCLC authorities as well. Um, that helps us stay connected and like overlapped in that ecosystem. But it also allows people to use us when they don't want to use LC is my answer for that. Other, maybe not blind spots, but things that I think surprise people, including me, is we don't do uh, name authorities. So for those of you who don't do cataloging your metadata, there's a different set of authority records for the names of people and corporations and groups and sometimes even like titles. Those are called NARS, like name authority records or NAFs, name authority files. And Homosaurus doesn't do those. So that means that some very obvious groups that I was like, well, why don't we have the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence or the Radical Fairies in there? It's like, we don't do name authorities. I'm like, but we need them. But we don't. And so you will have to look somewhere else if you are cataloging something about the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Um, And if you don't know who those are, who those people are, go look them up and have yourself a really fun night because they are awesome. They're these gay demon nuns out in California who do like HIV activism and stuff. They're, they're, They're really cool. I have co- like a question, like, is there, what's the reasoning behind not doing the name authority records? I actually have no idea, but I think it might have something to do. Cause like with, maybe that's something we do in the future, but I mean, I know at least in like LOC, like they're structured differently and there's like different rules for them. So it might have something to do with that. Like we'd have to kind of start an entirely different vocabulary okay. uh, to go cite it so it's just easier to keep it out of scope yeah 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 the structures are totally different like when you when you're talking about a person it's like where did they first publish and then like that's a whole thing Mm -hmm. of like where's this name come from and then most name authority records are also just like local and not linked to anything unless it's library yeah unless it's library of congress but like most most of the interesting stuff is going to be in like local archives and that's all local dark metadata that's not linked to anything and so that would just be a whole it's just a whole new project it seems it makes sense and not and not that there's not issues with the library of congress name authority records but one of the reasons that we do have homosaurus is because loc isn't the best about queer subjects um whereas with names it's much harder to fuck that up. That makes sense. Not that they don't. <laughs> not that they can't, but <laughs> not that they can't or don't. But it's it's much harder to to, to fuck that up. So there, there's there's that, and and like like what Justin said, like there was this really interesting um, name authority project that was created a couple of years ago called the Western Name Authority File. Um, it came out of the University of Utah with my former colleagues, and it was because of in the Utah Digital Archive, so many names for both the like Mormon settler colonialists, but also the native people that we have information for 
either like didn't have LC like records or there was no consistent way of referring to them. And so they got like an IMLS grant and made like an authority file for this like entire collection. It's like a really interesting collection too. They did a bunch of presentations about it. It was um, a Jeremy Minty and uh, Anthony Trower were the, the main people on that. So if you're curious, I highly recommend people looking at that. But yeah, so we don't do name authority. We also don't do subdivisions. Uh, which makes people mad uh, because people want to do topical subdivisions. They want to do like lesbians dash dash fiction, right? And we don't do that. And you also can't use LC subdivisions on Homosaurus. So you can't do Homosaurus, lesbians, and then subfield V, I think is what it is. LC fiction. No, no, no. You just have to kind of like do like a combo. You have to do like a Homosaurus lesbians and then an LC, like lesbians dash dash fiction. Or there are some, like we have terms for like lesbian fiction, and you could actually use that in a 655 as a genre form term is another thing that um, you can do. So like these are like little quirks that like a lot of people don't realize and like in how, yeah, people like in public libraries and academic libraries are using Homosaurus and are kind of, I feel like people view it like they view LC but it's a completely different structure than LC and acts differently than LC does, which is very queer of it, um, TBH. Which, yeah, so that's, I I think some have been the fun things is just like in how different it is. There have been uh, fun terms. It's mainly just like seeing all like the sex stuff in there there was this really fun debacle the 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 bisexual beaches debacle I like yeah to call it was, it. i was gonna ask this because i saw i saw this in here and i was like i have no idea what this is referring to but i am super curious like yeah so the bisexual beaches debacle and this gets into another thing about the homosaurus is that we don't do literary warrant we don't like so in the Library of Congress, in order to make a subject heading, the book has to come across your desk that would necessitate you creating the heading for it. And you don't create a term until you have the literary warrant for it, right? Homosaurus is not like that. Now, if it's like a term related to like identity, we usually wait until we like have seen it in common parlance or have seen it on like more than one forum. Like if some person emails us and is like hi can you include the name for my identity specifically that i've created for myself in the homosaurus we would go no because it's just for you it's not used by anyone else yet that doesn't mean it's not real we are not the arbiters of identity which is the thing i'll get into but you know we don't just do things willy-nilly but we don't necessarily wait for something to come across our desk right and one of the things that we do with that is that like if there's I don't know, like, the one I always show is, like, for Buddhists. There's, like, gay Buddhists, okay? And there's also lesbian Buddhists and bisexual Buddhists and transgender Buddhists and queer Buddhists and asexual Buddhists and non-binary Buddhists. What we do is often when there's, like, an identity term is even if there hasn't been a book about, like, asexual Buddhists, which there probably is, But even if like there hasn't been, we know that those people exist or that there could be works about them or that it's like not out of the realm of possibility that like that's a thing. And so like we often just like fill out the acronym. And so we had gay beaches. We were like, wait, well, we we don't have gay beaches as a term yet. And we should because that's like that's a whole last thing, right? You got P-Town. I live like 30 miles or something from Agunquit. You know, gay yeah. beaches are like a whole it's last a hi- thing. It's a historic, it, it has a historical significance, if nothing else. And and gay beaches, as parlance, doesn't just mean that only gay men go to those beaches. Tons of straight people go to P-Town, trust me. <laughs> Tons of old straight grandmas go to Agunquit, trust me. But it, we were like, oh, well, we have to fill out the acronym for, for beaches. And I was like, but we don't. Not that like bisexual people don't go to gay beaches, but I haven't like heard of gay beaches or I haven't heard of bisexual beaches as a concept, right? Yeah, because gay is being used as sort of an umbrella term. So instead mm-hmm. of it being a specific, more specific identity- Right. And it's like, we, we added bisexual beaches. It is a term. <laughs> I mean, if, if there are bisexual beaches out there, could, could somebody let me know? Cause like, yeah, like I'm where cool are with they? that. Right. Right. But it made us have the discussion of like, when do we fill out the acronym and when do we sort of create things out of thin air? 
and when do we not? Um, but I just love the bisexual beaches debacle because um, <laughs> I feel like it's very indicative of the, the types of conversations that we have during board meetings. <laughs> but are there bisexual beaches though? <laughs> Debating the vali- validity of bisexual beaches, like the board meeting. <laughs> Bi- biphobic against beaches. <laughs> but I'm, yeah. confu- I'm confused because you said the, maybe I missed it because I'm still trying to catch up on this article. <laughs> When you say beaches, you were saying an acronym. What's an acronym for? Like like LGBT. And and so like for like identity. Oh, you're saying like do you do LGBT beaches or do you do lesbian beaches, gay beaches? No, as in what do you say? like so we'll have like LGBTQ Buddhists and then underneath that we'll have lesbian Buddhists, gay Buddhists, bisexual Buddhists, transgender Buddhists, etc. Like, we'll often, like, if there's, like, an identity where it'd be, like, where we would use gay or trans or something as, like, an adjective, like, an XYZ term, a gay, whatever this, a trans, whatever that, we usually fill out the acronym there, but we'll have one for each as well as, like, a top-level LGBTQ insert term here. Usually that's referring to types of people. So we'll have like gay, we'll have LGBTQ soccer players, lesbian soccer players, uh, gay soccer players, bisexual soccer, you know, and you know, you get the, you get the drift. But for beaches, because gay beaches came up, it was like, well, do we also need lesbian beaches and bisexual beaches and transgender beaches and non-binary beaches and asexual beaches and LGBTQ beaches? Right. Is gay beaches a term of art? Right. Like um and and i think and like we added bisexual beaches but i think after that we were like wait and, and i remember there were some board members that were like you can take bisexual beaches from my cold dead hands <laughs> like my cold dead hands and we're like okay okay but they didn't get lesbian beaches uh, but they probably did oh arthur do you got the zoomies bub you want to come up you heard about bisexual beaches and you got excited huh bub his ears are like pew back he's ready to go me too oh, arthur i have exciting news arthur got a job mm-hmm Arthur is going to be an emotional support animal now. Good for him. Very proud of him. Very proud of him. Um, he's going to help me get an apartment in Boston. Uh, um, by my psychiatrist. I didn't buy a certificate online. My psychiatrist is writing a little prescription for my cat. It's very funny when you get one. You get a little prescription that says you're allowed to have a cat. Yep. It's a little Arthur. prescription paper. It's good. Yep. It's good. So, yeah. So that's that's been some of the the fun things, as well as just like... Uh, a lot of tension within myself about being on this board, especially with my whole metadata anarchy thing, right? It's like, how conservative do I want to be as a taxonomist versus like queerness shouldn't be nailed down or defined, but also this is useful, but also fuck this. Like it, it, like queerness and taxonomy is so antithetical in the first place. Like if you really like think about it. And so it's been a really interesting tension to be someone with both like like my political and even like linguistic beliefs and how I exist in this world and how I view queerness and also the metadata work that I do and like where the, the tension exists there has been really interesting. What's um, I mean, that's also in the notes is um, there's a little bit I just want to skip over, but information advocacy as a term. I could yeah, have, maybe could have brought this up earlier, but it's um, inf- information advocacy is advocacy to know about oneself. It's it's described as a particular uh, focus of late 20th century lesbian and feminist activism. Information advocacy, for instance, uh, and this is my phrasing, is, is when sex ed teaches children to learn boundaries or when queer children learn about themselves. It's advocacy and we can't ignore that. So putting books like the ones we mentioned earlier in children's sections is advocacy. We're advocating that children have a right to learn about themselves and also that queer people have the right to learn about themselves when we put those books anywhere in the library. So I just want to jump over that. But to stay on topic with what Jay was saying, the metadata anarchy, the self-definitions, this brings us to like the usage of the homosaurus are we and you've got a, a thing here are we describing people or are we describing objects perhaps related to people and can you talk about how the board talks about them? yeah because like this happens um this comes up a lot when we are thinking of terms or scope notes related to terms and it's like thinking about how we might want to phrase something or how something might get used and it's always like are we meaning this vocabulary to describe people like is this a dictionary 
or are we meaning this for someone to like assign to like a photograph in an archive that might have people in it it might not though you know like that's that's the thing here is is this meant to describe people or is this about like the ephemera related to people and that might sound like a stupid question uh, because it's still at the end of the day, it's like, it's all about people, right? Because then people will be searching it and looking for it and stuff. But it does influence like how you think about scope notes and whether and like, you know, like I mentioned, like there's multiple ways to refer to something. Which version of that do we use? Right? What is a scope note? Oh, okay. A scope note. So the the non non librarian here. So baby terms, um, the scope note. So when you are using a controlled vocabulary, like Library of Congress or like the Homo Horus or any of the rest of them, the scope note is the little paragraph or whatever that accompanies the term that tells the cataloging librarian how to use it. Use this to refer to works about, etc., 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 do not use to refer to works about X, Y, Z, use whatever instead. So it's kind of like a definition and also how do you assign this? Because also you have to assume that not every cataloging librarian is going to know what a butt plug is maybe, or, or know what a fairy is in that context, right? And so a scope now is like, here we are, def- this is how the homosaurus views what this term means and how it should be applied to things. And so as you can see, writing those scope notes and coming up with how we actually phrase the term, the mindset of I am imagining this is going to be applied to objects so that people can then find those objects that maybe describe people or related to people somehow, or I am describing a person. And whatever mindset you are in when you are making those scope notes or coming up with how you are phrasing the term, it actually is a shift there um, because I've noticed that our scope notes sound more like dictionary definitions now, which is not necessarily like how scope notes should be because normally it's like use this or assign this to works about like that's sort of how scope notes are normally used. Um, They're not necessarily a dictionary definition. But a lot of ours are kind of dictionary definitions because not everyone's going to know what the hell we're talking about. <laughs> can I can I just really quickly give give you a, a website suggestion? Can yes. can I have a random word like a random subject turn button? Like you know how you do that with Wikipedia, you hit like random to find new. Things? And you want? I want to I want to do that with this. <laughs> I want to go down a rabbit hole of of Homosaurus terms with a random button. Just. So you can get like cockering. Yeah. Yeah. Are you going to get cockering or are you going to get like lesbian parents? You know, it's fun for the whole family. (laughs) Does uh, does stumble upon still have the stumble inside functionality so that we could put stumble inside on the Homosaurus site and you just click it and it'll give you a random Homosaurus page. Yeah, you can stumble inside. Okay. Sorry, Justin. I, I, what were you going to say? No, it's a fun idea, actually. Someone make that, program that. There's a party game to be had there. Mm-hmm. Use it in a sentence. Yeah. Kind of thing. Do a spelling bee with the homosaurus. Improv, anything. Yeah. Uh, part of the article I was reading was talking about how if you are defining things that is sort of counter to queering people's identities, you are you are giving definitions. And then when you, and getting back to the linguistics of it, when you start using words and defining words, we unintentionally set boundaries for our cognition. We, we unintentionally, mm-hmm. we're trying to give things a word so that we have a concept for it. And that's good. And if you have fewer words, you have fewer concepts. But even as we're expanding our words, we then build those same sort of limitations because even if we're adding more and more words, which is good, uh, it still sets the boundaries. And there's also this concern that, well, it's not in the homosaurus, therefore it's not real. And that's been an issue is that people are starting to use it. We're the identity police now, even though we are not. Oh, no. But so many people are like look, looking to the homosaurus as like some sort of like gay. Tucker Carlson called us a gay dictionary, right? Like, you know. It's right there, you know, the end. Tucker. You're an idiot. He is. Talk shit, get hit, bitch. 
But yeah, and like also like the other like half of my thesis was me talking about Jacques Derrida and uh, his term uh, deference, which means that all words are constantly deferring meaning and that they uh, that meaning is always about like difference because uh, it's a pun in French deference. It sounds like the French word for difference, but is spelled and looks like defer. Um, it means that like things are defined by what they are not, right? And also that meaning is always deferred. Like when you look up the definition of a word, there are more words there that you then have to look up and on and on and on. That was like the other half of my master's thesis was me just talking about deference. And it's very applicable with the homosaurus because it's like putting up boundaries, putting up walls. And that's not what queerness is about. Queerness is porous, right? Queerness is fluid. Like queerness is against borders, right? But the very act of being a thesaurus, of being a controlled vocabulary, even if we do allow the same concept in different semantic realms to exist side by side, like anal sex and butt fucking, like even if we allow to do that, there's still we're still being Victorian taxonomists pinning, uh, you know, a dragonfly down onto a board, and studying it and making sure it can't move and giving it a scientific name so that we know exactly what it is. Right? That's all in the same lineage. It's a, I don't always love that inherent you know? tension in mm-hmm. creating a taxonomy. Right? Even it's like it's like a necessary. We got to do it, but I, it's like, I, it's like, I don't like, like, it's like, I love the homosaurus and I love the work that I do on it, but then I get on my like bullshit about, you know, how like taxonomy is and like comes from and how it's about pinning things down and studying them and medicalizing them blah, blah, and like it just how it's just like it's fucking evil victorian bullshit and then it's like uh what am i doing with my life you know yeah there's a good line from the article i was looking at it's um information infrastructures construct rhetorical arguments that facilitate particular interpretations of their resources so just by the nature of creating an information infrastructure, you're sort of Im- inviting people to come in and say, oh, this is how the world is structured. This is how queerness is structured. And that's always going to be in tension with like the porousness of queer aspirations. But I thought that was pretty well phrased. Yeah, like um, Emily Drabinsky's iconic article, Queering the Catalog, talks a lot about this, about how like it's like queerness is antithetical to the very project of a subject vocabulary, but that doesn't mean you don't do it. It's just like, how does this work? Yeah, there will be a a tension, there will be contradictions, but it's inevitable. Do you want to talk about the, the future of the project? Yeah. So as Tucker Carlson found out, um, we are developing a Spanish language version of the Homosaurus. We got a grant, uh, more specifically, uh, Marika on the board um, got a grant to do it, to lead it. But we're going to be working on other languages too. I'm not on that task force because I don't necessarily have the time. But there is like a task force on the board right now that it's about getting the homosaurus into other languages. Um, There have been lots of cool projects where people have taken, not AI, but other like computer language models and translators and like run the homosaurus through them and then ranked the accuracy of what came out. And some of the results are actually pretty promising. Like it still needs double checking, but it shows a lot of excitement about what we can do with the homosaurus regarding like translation in in the future and what people could do independently like themselves, which we find to be really important. Like we don't want to be the end all be all of queer vocabulary and we shouldn't be. And so if it's easy for people to take the homosaurus and do it in different languages or put their own spin on it, then that's good. Um, So that's good. Um, As I mentioned earlier, we're working with um, the Leather Archives and Museum, but we're also working with other groups 
we've been working with some like people regarding like intersex terms, terms around like queer like adoption and like parenthood and, and stuff. Cause that's like a, a, a spot that needs a lot more build out um, with more nuance in it, in the vocabulary, working with various um, academics and advocates and activists around um, ethnic and cultural terms that maybe we on the board don't, um, not that we couldn't can't describe difference or talk about you know terms that don't refer to us, but especially if we're going to be doing like a whole slew of them, it helps. Like we were working with this black scholar around, I, I believe, around terms related to like queer African diaspora and like like including like stuff about like the slave trade. And stuff like those terms aren't live yet, but like that's been a thing that's been happening. We really want to build out like our indigenous terms. So we also believe that like there should be, there are indigenous subject vocabularies and people should use those too, right? But we do like to have, and like also the idea of like, are we, is it a colonialist mindset to include indigenous or non-western ways of doing gender and sexuality as automatically a western idea of what queer is maybe maybe so maybe maybe not you know but so it's like we like to have some of those terms and stuff and talk about it while also encouraging people to go and seek um like subject vocabularies specific to like specific tribes or like i know there's like you know, like lots of resources, uh, like there's, like there's Maori subject headings um, in New Zealand, um, for example. And that's been like a, a longstanding project. Great. I think we've got everything. Yeah. I guess I'll close by saying that like, if you are interested in getting involved, maybe not like with the home source, but like um, if you're like interested in its development or if you're interested in implementing it at your library, we have information on the website about joining a Google group. And also there was this really great uh, article that was um, published recently um, that I happened to be one of the peer reviewers for about a consortium in Illinois of public libraries adopting the Homosaurus and their process for not just, okay, how do we put this in our catalog, but also how do you get buy-on for it? How do you get funding for it? Like the whole kit and caboodle, I'll, I'll find it and it'll be in the, in the notes. But if people are, cause we get all the time, like, well, how do I, how do I, how do I do this at my library? Y'all don't have any documentation yet. We're working on it. We know, <laughs> but th there's that. And then um, also there's been uh, at the university of Kentucky, uh, one of our board members uh, who used to be there did, did some work on like putting it, uh, implementing it at the university of Kentucky. And there's several um, like presentations about that um, that I can link to as well. Also buy some swag. Yeah, yo, you can totally buy some swag with a gay dinosaur on it. I'm uh, totally gonna buy some stuff with a gay with a gay dinosaur and a rainbow. Like hell yeah. Stop yeah. Tucker. Yeah. Tucker Carlson found out about the Homosaurus if you're confused as to why I, I keep talking shit about Tucker Carlson in this episode. Uh, I'll listener, make it the cover uh, art. Yeah, one of his final broadcasts he did was being confused and mad about the Homosaurus. Um, and that's why I was on Twitter locked down for like a couple weeks, <laughs> just in case. But so far, none of the board members have received any hate. It's just the project itself got a lot of hate mail and stuff. But we do all the time anyway. It's fine. <laughs> all right. Was there any other questions you had for me? Nope. No? Okay, cool. Okay. Good night. Good night. <laughs>